Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. No, not into the weeds, into the True Wealth program. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me in studio is Katie Shook. We're talking about what are we going to cover today, and I was. It's like, well, you know, it's the end of the year, and we got a number of things that we've been talking about because we're well prepped because it's holidays for everybody, right? Um, <laughs> well, it is a holiday season, but I don't know. Well, I guess it is holidays for everybody, but that doesn't mean that everybody's off right now. Yeah, no, the, the, the holiday for us is more like a holler day. Like, it's as we get to the end, uh, my gosh, people and the 11th hour, last minute, uh, just down to the wire. You're so sweet. Ooh. That was totally my complaint, by the way. I was, <laughs> which, it's not really a complaint. Like, it's nice that we are able to do things for our clients. But, yeah, it's it kind of feels like, you know, the clock's running out on the football game, right? And it's like the final touchdown as we're running towards the goalpost. So, yep. it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's a sprint for sure. Indeed. So, we will stay out of the weeds today. We're going to cover some... Uh, some ground though okay and some of it is year-end stuff and some of it is just uh, i will just address these as rumors and conspiracies okay there's just a handful of rumors and conspiracies and we'll just touch on a few of those and we also want to have a healthy dose of goal setting okay yes. this goal setting is probably one of my favoriteest subjects out there it is it is we well we do it every year did okay. you do yours this year oh yeah I, That's funny. Did you just ask that? I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did there's you? goals every year, well, and I review them, and then I update them. You do. Uh, and I like. I didn't do mine this year, and I usually tape them to my bathroom mirror, and halfway through the year, I was like, I don't have them up there. And then I think I typed them. I don't know if I ever just didn't print so, them. i got to find them. And herein lies the, problem. the magic. The problem. Okay? Or the problem, but I'm going to say the glass is half full. So... I started my New Year's resolutions yesterday. Oh. Right? Me too. Well, Monday. That was yesterday. Yes. That turns out that's the same day as yesterday. Oh, David. They start to blend in after a while Uh, when you're that busy. Yes, they do. It's like, well, what day is it? I don't know, but it ends in Y. Because I keep asking myself, why? (laughs) Oh, bad. Okay, so you started your New Year's resolutions yesterday. What are they? Do you care to share? Well, I don't. They're not all done, but I know this one, right? And this is a uh, this one I've I've been really looking forward to because I've almost been sandbagging it. So this year I do have I will call it a body composition challenge. Okay, because weight loss sounds lame to me, (laughs) and um, I actually did really quite well. And then over the holiday season, I intentionally was like, you know, I'm going to not deal with this too much. Well, because then you just beat yourself up. You're like, oh, I put on two pounds and then it sucks. Yeah, and, and that's about what it was. Yeah. Um, and, and I sort of knowingly had that happen, knowing that uh, what I'm going to go through is, uh, you know, just a, so an intentional eating regimen. And that's a funny thing because to me, it's it's about a lifestyle change. I want it to be more permanent. So it's not so much a... When I say body composition, it's because it's the total package. I It always drives me crazy well, when folks it, are like, I need to lose some weight. I'm like, eh. But let's be honest. It, it, when they say comments like that, okay, so I'm going to equate that to something that we get in our industry all the time, right? I don't want to lose money. People say that all the time, but I'm going to go back to the weight really quick, and then I'll tell you why they mean the same thing to me. So when people say I want to lose weight, that's not necessarily what they mean. What they mean is I want to feel better in my clothes. Maybe I don't want my joints to ache. I mean, if you could weigh the same now, 
but be slimmer and feel better, would the weight itself matter? So it does to me. So the number in your head matters? Yes. Because, see, to me, the number doesn't matter if I noticed less fat, more muscle tone, and I felt better. No, so this is about, uh, I'll treat this more like marathon training. Okay. So marathon training, there's an optimization for the amount of body mass that you have relative to how far you're traveling, right? You don't see really bulky marathon runners right. that are successful. Well, they burn muscle as they're running all the time. So, Well, because part of the process is your body sort of optimizing to that task. Right. And so for me, I don't need to carry around the physical mass that I am, even if it's muscle mass, if it's going to be hard on my joints. Now, I actually have a, a significant amount of, we'll call it stored energy, right? It's ha, body fat, <laughs> that I, it's, I'm fortunate because of my frame, it's relatively d well distributed. But there's still a, a lot more there than needs to be. And when I look back at my college weight, I was, you know, I'll just, sh I can share real numbers with people. I'm not scared of that, right? So at 6'1", I weighed 184 pounds and I was somewhere sub 6% body fat at the time. I mean, I was, now granted, I was a, an athlete in college. And so my job was like be a to student work out. and work out yeah. about 20 hours a week. And so, not eat pizza all the time. Pretty much. Yeah. And eat whatever you feel like, which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Now, Turns out it doesn't work so well when you're older. Yeah, in real life, you don't have that kind of calorie burn because no. if you're not working out 20 hours a week with a 22-year-old metabolism, it doesn't work that way. Right. So uh, over time, I've just you know done what most do is sort of this subtle drift. And this was pointed out to me uh, years ago that the, you know our body composition is something that you know if you only do one to two pounds a year. But over 10 years, you've put on 20 pounds. So it's it's a, it's a little higher than that. So the average person actually gains, and maybe it's an average female, I'll say that, but the average person gains about a half a pound a month. So it's usually a about a month. So Holy it's, shnikes. So it's usually about six pounds a year. Okay, so that would creep up really fast because in 10 years, you're 60 pounds overweight. You talk to a lot of women over a 10-year span, not far off. Well, the challenge here is that uh, it, it, so if I lost, I can't lose, well, maybe I guess I could lose 60 pounds, but that's not, um, that's not ideal, but I'm just saying like, yeah. it's, so, 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 you know, when I did a body composition test though, I'm much more concerned about my ratio of lean mass to body fat, right? I wanted my body fat percentage to, to lower. So but I'm, going I'm back to my sub 12% body fat. Going back to my original question it, is my point was saying that, you know, we get obsessed with a number, right? Like somehow if we meet that number that we're healthy now. And not saying that the scale doesn't matter, it does. But what I was trying to get, I guess, when I was trying to lead the witness and David didn't take it at all, was if you could lean out, right? Well, yeah, you're asking a different question. I'm asking a different the, question. The, the health question is, look, if you are if you have the shape and size and look and feel that you like, who cares what the, the number what on the, the scale says? What the number is. Because everybody's right. height is different. Everybody well, right. carries their I weight differently. about the number on the scale because I want my joints to last. And so when I look at the amount of pressure that goes on my knees over time, and I want to be able to hike and jog and buy, and do all the things that your joints enable you to do and be preserve an active, that. Be an active retiree yeah. without a lot of pain. Yeah. So <laughs> that does not require me to carry around the kind of physical mass that I do, which is easy for me to do, right? I mean, and I'm not... You're not... It, I wouldn't consider you... Over, like overweight. Uh, well, I I am by medical definition. 
Okay. Right. I mean, if you look in the mirror or something, I don't look at myself and go, oh, my gosh. Other than when I see pictures of myself, I'm like, am I really that big now? Like, and, and yes. Right. I Stop tucking uh, in your shirt, Dave. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like, hey, I can romanticize. It's not that. No, it is. There's the, the, the camera. The camera adds how many pounds? It's like all of them. <laughs> oh. So, I, uh, but yeah, that's an actual goal of mine. There's some uh, time blocking goals that are big for me is about uh, breaking out units of time and scheduling around blocks of time rather than um, I feel like this year has been a lesson in uh, being sort of buggy whipped by the calendar. Okay. Yeah. And my buddies would tease about that. Like you don't have any discretionary time anymore. And it's because the methodology has been, if it's available on the calendar, put something in it. And I, I want to drift away from that and get more structured to these are the times that you're allocating to these different tasks because as you know, as our organization has grown, my role is not just a one-on-one -on -one advisor. I also am a mentor to other uh, team members. I have executive functions. And I, you know, I, have, I do have interests outside of the office. So you know, I don't want to spend every waking moment what? there. What? I know, I know. I like the office a lot, but it's <laughs> not the only thing I do. It turns out I love my family too. Aww. So yeah, those are those are just some of the big picture concepts, and you know I've already kind of developed a strategy around. It's really novel too. I'm you know doing my meal planning and then like using this isn't a promo for Fred Meyer, but they have like online order and you can come pick it up, and that was pretty cool. So just it makes it easy. Just you know on the swing by after well, the you're office, trying pick to it figure up, out get home. The system to make it attainable. Right, right. Right. It's like okay, well if I if I make meal prep a ridiculous task, then I won't do it. So if I do it where it's easy then I'm more likely to stick to it. Yeah. And, and I think and if, that's a natural human nature yeah, thing. Yeah, and if you're wondering, what does this have to do with investing? A lot more than you think. Yeah. Because it's the idea that you have an intentional goal and then you're reverse engineering how to get there. So like weight loss planning is not all that dissimilar to financial planning, right? Well, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Yeah, so that's what we want. Our goals are just dreams with deadlines. Right. That's the thing. Like, let's, <laughs> let's assign it and make it happen. Right. Uh, you know, I don't want a million or billion dollars. I want a specific dollar figure by a specific time. And then I can develop a strategy and execute on it to get there. Well, changing your body is a strategy. There's a strategy to it. Right. It's right. not like a I, I sure hope it happens. And then I keep eating donuts. I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> Well, there's your problem. <laughs> Isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and over and over and expecting a different result? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, and so I, I, I'm not suggesting... I'm, they're not, I guess, totally the same, I, but they're really darn similar. Uh, the, the reality is that when you talk financial planning and strategy, you're... So if you, you start with a goal and you reverse engineer it, you know, you're going to deal with your resources and figure out what it takes to say, actually, I don't know that they're all that different. I don't I don't think they are either. I think a goal is a goal with a plan. Yeah. And and so. Uh, and a strategy. Yeah. Goals, plans, strategies. So uh, this is the challenge. And this is what I want to talk about next is how do you how do you set a good goal? How do you go through the process of reverse engineering? And so I think. Yeah, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, we'll, we'll first we'll put Katie on the spot. Oh, I, there she, you go. Yeah, she's going to have to come up with goals here in the next uh, couple of minutes. <laughs> and then we'll talk about what your goals can be and how you can set out to make 2021 the best year ever. That's awesome. and more. But we got to get back to obscene profit breaks first. So we'll do those and then we'll be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN.
All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Program. And we're talking. Oh my gosh. Oh no, she broke the rules. Okay, now I don't you're know fine. How to silence the watch. Oh my goodness. See now you're now what? What's it? How does it work? Right. So the fine is like you have to put a dollar in the basket or whatever. It depends. Are you on, at La Tip? Where are you at? Yeah, or like you know the <laughs> any other organization. <laughs> yeah, n- name your favorite service any organization. Any other Rotary organization. Rotary Lions, whatever. Uh, so I don't know. anyway. I... Hey, welcome back. And if you're getting caught up, that's what the podcast is for. If you're wondering what happened, you can check it out tomorrow, littlejohnfs.com. We'll get that posted. We were talking about goal setting this year. And at some point, we may even talk about rumor squashing, right? Or conspiracy oh, theory yeah, yeah, yeah. squashing. Yeah, okay. But we had, you know, we're sharing goals a little bit. The idea that it, you, know, you can't just have a, a dream that's amorphous and eh, who knows when it'll happen, right? We want to get more specific. And there are rules around goal setting if you want it to work. Uh, there's different acronyms for it, but uh, I think SMART is one of them, or SMAC, or you know, there are all these different. But it needs to be specific, right? You can't give a vague goal. Say, no, oh, specific. you know, I, I want to fight crime. Say, okay, that's way too vague, right? <laughs> so Batman would have never been Batman if his goal was just to fight crime. Uh, <laughs> the one weird one that I hear people say is like, I want better time management, and I'm like, that's pretty vague. Like, yeah, can yeah, you, you need explain? to be specific about. I need to. When I say time blocking, I'm saying, okay, well, what's that mean? It means I need to sit down with the calendar and put specific dedicated blocks of time on for the tasks that are important to me. And then uh, my ability to measure that is whether or not I'm fulfilling on that. So that's what, so I know smack, right? So but that's specific, measurable. Measurable. Um, achievable is right. one of those. So that's the thing. Like you have to make the goal realistic. I can't say, I want to go to the Olympics next year. It's like, well, that's really not realistic okay <laughs> and it's it's and if somebody's out there going well if you tried hard enough it's like i don't know that it's realistic he doesn't Truthfully. mean as a spectator by the way he means like enter in as an athlete and champion right, at the right. like i'm not going to go compete against a 20 something and try to out sprint them that's not happening okay because biologically that's not mechanically aligned so so even if it was achievable it may require so much work that it would be near impossible and not worth it right okay so has to be specific has to be measurable has to be realistic so they're achievable and then um, the other one is compatible that's what the c was so that means that it needs to be aligned with your value system it needs to actually be able to be something you can do you know it can't be like a, i want a million dollars and i'm going to steal it Okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's so <been> an example. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Well, nevertheless, you get the idea. So you want these goals that you can measure and you can track, right? right. So that's the other one. So if you're talking about smart, it's specific, measurable, achievable, um, something with an R, and then realistic, trackable. realistic and trackable. Yeah. Trackable. So whatever the case, you get this idea. Now, Katie, I was going to quiz you a bit because you have. So, so first of all, there's goals you've set before and you haven't set any for this year. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, I was you just, lamented like, oh, I was supposed to set goals. Goals like what? Well, one of the things that I do, um, so when I first started goal setting with you is I put them all in one list. And I thought, you know, my life is kind of broken out into different categories, as you've kind of mentioned, too. So one of them was like finance. So I break it out like financial goals. Like I wanted to start a college savings fund for Sophia, which I did this year. Right. Like I wanted to. So when you start talking about trackable goals again, how are they tracked? Are you making regular contributions? You know, what is the target? Um, so I do financial ones like I put goals on like what I want to contribute to my 401k, you know, if I'm going to increase my contributions, things like that. And then I do family. Right. Because there's always something I feel like we can improve with, like if it's time or 
something like that. So one of my goals in 2019 was to plan a family vacation that doesn't involve visiting family. Now that's <laughs> I love that goal because that is super achievable because you can plan stuff. Doesn't mean you have to execute on it, but you can plan it. Well, I knew so. There's two parts to that. One of it is that Thomas and I moved up here in 2010, and all of our extended family, except for my parents, are back down in Southern California. So for many years, our vacation time was spent visiting them because we miss them, which I we still miss them and we love time with them. But it's gotten to the point now where I'm like, I don't want to go do the same thing over and over. So. My goal for 2019 was to start planning a family vacation, knowing it would take place in 2020, which I did. I planned a vacation to Hawaii. Now, Hawaii didn't take place in 2020 because I had it. (laughs) I actually had the reservations booked and the airlines and everything else for spring break of 2020. And COVID happened. But we still took a family trip this year. We went to Cabo in October. Um, delayed, but it was great. And so it goals can be achievable. That one sounds like a funny one because you're like, oh, we'll just plan it and go. Well, it takes money and resources. Well, no, just, and- no, planning to me is a, it's it's like, I'm going to plan to lose some weight in 2020 or in 2021, let's say. And well, I could achieve that goal and never lose weight because okay, it's so just you, the plan. <laughs> so No, because we said a goal without a plan is just a wish. So my thing was I wanted to figure out where we wanted to go. I wanted to have reservations set and I wanted to start saving money, but knowing that I would have to save money over time to go on that family vacation, depending on where we went. Uh, see, and here's really the magic of that. And you're, you're flirting with this. I'm just going to say it directly. Go for it. You have to execute the plan. Right. Okay. And and that's why it's relevant to finance, for example. Right. You know, you can't you have, can have a, a great wish plan. of like, I want to retire someday. What are you doing about it? Right. Like I'm talking to you about it. Yes. What are what's your strategy? What are you what are you going to do to make this plan a reality? And the answer is, well, I'm talking to you. So, well, okay, that's a start. Then I guess I'm going to start asking you questions and make you describe to me what does that future look like to you? How long do you have to get there? Right. What resources have you started with? What resources are you willing to put towards it? Well, that was what that was my plan was where. So as a family, we voted on a destination. Then I sought out what resources I would need, and I started saving those resources to book the reservation for the hotel and get the airfare done. And so there was something to execute. It wasn't a wish. It wasn't like, oh, we hope we go to Hawaii one day. It was mm-hmm. like, no, we are going to move down this path towards that goal. And and we put a deadline on it. We said spring break. So it was like, okay, you have this many months to save and so on. So it was yeah. a goal, in a not a wish, and with a plan. <laughs> well, and therein is my key takeaway for all of this and, and why goal setting is so relevant, why it comes up so often in our practice is that um, – I think that if you want to move the needle, you first have to have an idea where you're going. Okay. Right. For, and and this is really important. Statistically speaking, if you look at, well, I don't even know what the stats are, so I'd, I'd be making that up if I started to say statistically. But my suspicion is that the folks that don't have a plan rarely go as far as the folks that do. Right. And there's been spoof stories about this, just so you know. I mean, there's- <laughs> Uh-oh, he's the, getting into the conspiracy. Well, the spoof story is the like the Harvard or Yale graduating class of 1952. Oh, you heard that, that story, one, yeah. And they say that uh, you know five percent of the class had a net worth that exceeded the other 95 percent combined. And the answer, the question is, why did it happen? He said the one common thing they had is were written goals. 
of the five percent that wrote their goals down had higher achievement levels. And it turns out that's a hoax, right? That never happened. Uh, however, that might have sold the book really well. There's though. all <laughs> kinds of research that indicates that writing down goals increases the probability that they are achieved. Well, and going just back- writing it down, even if you don't do anything about it, you just write it down, and then su- surprisingly, it's like your subconscious goes to work. It's like you make this commitment to do it, and then it just starts to happen. So one of the things I've done in the past, speaking of writing it down, is I've typed them up and then I've laminated them and I stick it on my bathroom mirror so that I can look at it every morning right. to remind me to continue to work and move forward mm-hmm. because it's a constant reminder. The other one is an accountability partner, right? If you have an account an accountability partner, if it's in weight loss or goal setting, share your goals with someone else and have them hold you accountable and be willing to accept the criticism if you're not doing the work. Because mm-hmm. people are always like, oh, yeah, you're my accountability partner. Okay, your accountability partner, like if you're trying to save money, cannot be your shopping buddy. That is not a good accountability partner. You need somebody that will help you save, not somebody who will encourage you not to. Yeah. I, yeah now I'm just thinking of that obnoxious twist of like, or find an accountability partner that wants to spend and make such terrible decisions that you know better than to do that. Oh, no. If, if you have a spending <laughs> problem, you just go down that rabbit hole with them. Because then oh, well. nobody's telling you that the fire's hot and you just go, wait, let's jump into the fire. Yeah. This one, I have to say. Uh, you have a is, lot more self-control over certain things than. It's, it's the, I know, it's a you're harder one for about me a lot to of stuff. identify. So uh, I never think of myself as methodical. That's a hilarious thing. What I think of myself is is passionately lazy <laughs> and competitive at the same time. And so if you're really competitive, but super lazy, then yeah, it is this giant cognitive dissonance ball where it's like, I really want to sit around and be lethargic, but I hate losing. So which one wins? And what wins is the, I'm going to go do stuff because I don't want to lose. <laughs> it's the, so yeah, there's people that have like a fear of missing out. Like the fear of missing out is greater than the actual thing that they're going to do. They're just afraid they're going to miss it. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't want to do it anyway. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to miss it. It's like, okay, but I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah. get that either. No, this is uh, there are irrational fears and trades that I'm. I, I, believe me, I'm a I'm a head full of bad habits that I, I'm still trying to fix. Like, you know what? You I know you're out there listening right now and going like, oh, I hope nobody knows, right? Like we all have those. I would be a natural hoarder, right? If I had like a barn or something, it would be full of garbage, <laughs> and not literal not garbage, literal but trash, like, but like, like all the stuff. I'm like, I, you know. I'm the guy that's like taking apart an old deck and being like, well, I wonder if I could reuse these deck screws. I'm like, this is a terrible idea. Okay. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Like let them go. And yet my, it crosses my mind. And then I'm like, don't do that. You don't even want those. Right. I have to literally talk myself into that because my mentality is not to waste. You have graveyards. You have graveyards of piles of stuff that like you will never go through. Yeah. And well, eventually it'll be like what I did with my email this year. Right. This is a hilarious but true story, okay? And so you talk about goals. I had over 33,000 emails in my inbox. Unread? That were, no, they, yeah, they were unread as well. So, so they oh, were just you in, give me no, 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 they, weren't, they were not all unread. That wasn't that. That's not true. That was not true. That's a, a, a false statement. Okay. So, but I had 33,000 active emails in your inbox. In the inbox that okay. had in one form or fashion and probably 5% of them were unread, which is still thousands. Yes. Right. And I ultimately recognized that, you know, anything more than two weeks old, 
the way that our system works, we have to archive everything for legal purposes. But I just like selected everything and just archived the entire block. And my inbox was empty and it felt weird. Uh, it's back up to a couple hundred. And that was, you know, a month ago that I did this. I just can't keep up with the doc on email. And so now it's like getting really aggressive with filters and, and throwing out the stuff I don't need. But I'm amazed. I got to get 100 emails a day. You know. Oh, minimum. I get 100 emails a day. Yeah. I mean, I just get unbelievable amounts of email that flow through my inbox. I'm like ready to change my email and not tell people. Aww. Like, what happened? It's like, where'd Dave go? It's like, well, you know what? He went off on an island somewhere. No, 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 no. But I understand what you're saying about the just the flood of information that's coming at you. And you're like, what do I pay attention to? What gets my priority? Well, it's the what sneaks through the filters. I only want the stuff that matters. But people invariably like people that shouldn't have access get access. And then it's like, ah, I gotta get rid of this. Which brings me to a really important point for if you want to know, like, all right, you guys want to know like a habit of the wealthy, something that we all should be considering here in terms of like your your attitude and approach to problem solving. I'm going to share a really key point and, and Katie's going to remind me that after the break, I'm going to share this answer, right? Like, like what do wealthy people do when they're processing information that's probably different than what a lot of us would normally do? That when we come back, but all we right. got to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. And um, we're talking know, goal setting. We're talking yeah, about having a plan. We're talking about you need to get caught up on our podcast, right? If, you, ah. if you're not doing this, you check out littlejohnfs.com under the Educate tab. We've got podcasts that go back for years now. So you can listen to all of those shows and you can see the ones that were amazing and the ones that weren't those shows. Well, and I would challenge <laughs> you, if you hear something that you feel is important to you or maybe your friends, share the podcast with someone. And I would also say if there's something that you would like us to cover, we encourage you. So a lot of the material that we talk about on this show is stuff that comes from our, our interactions office. with our, our client base. And they will ask questions. And that's where some of the discussion of rumors is going to come up in a minute here because I'm, I'm getting some some recurring questions that come with some of the our local culture. And so I want to address just a handful of them. But uh, – but you they had a question if, that we left you as a, a cliffhanger. Well, yeah, but I, I want to say, if you have questions, right, even if you're not a client, it's okay. We want to try to incorporate answers that could be meaningful for you. So send us an email. Info at littlejohnfs. You can put in the title radio show and you can just put, I have a question. Yeah. You know, I'm a listener. I have a question. And that is totally okay. Right. And the other is, if it doesn't make the air it may still get a response, right? You know, we actually see all the emails and we're real people. We really answer. Yeah. So if the email goes to info at, we will answer. If they yeah. go to David, it'll get lost now, in the graveyard. And if it is a, <laughs> I'm just if it's kidding. a really ridiculous question, <laughs> it may get a really ridiculous answer, answer. <laughs> or some, or the answer may be something like, what? You know, so, but you know, we're real people and we're really trying. So I love if you have it. Serious question. I love it when you're like, so can I ask you a stupid question? And you're like, there's no stupid questions, just stupid people asking questions. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, 
the worst. I, I am so mean to Katie. I said, I'll check out. I have a stupid question. Katie, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people asking questions. And she's like, huh. I, by the way, yeah, I, it's, it's in, it's I'm not jest. offended, and I still laugh at David anyway, and I still ask him the question it that I had in the It is totally in jest, and it's obvious. I'm There's a grin from ear to ear when I'm teasing with her, so just take it in context. We, Don't get so offended so easy. Come it's on, a people. Lovey, it's a platonic, lovable relationship, Yes, like a brother and a sister, and we have a good time with each other. All yeah, right. we do. So, so yeah, question, our spouses are not threatened. No, um, not in the least. All right. So the question that we left as the cliffhanger before we took the break was, what do wealthy people do that's different from normal people? Okay, and it's specifically about what do they do in decision making? Okay. And here's the thing that that wealthy people will do is, first of all, they'll, they, they will either they never had this habit, which was great, or they will break this habit because it's important. They value their time in the equation. Okay, so okay. to clarify on that, so, a lot of times when we do a project, let, let's take it as a, as a home project, for example. Yeah, so I will just say it's sweat equity includes your time. That's the thing is a, is a, a wealthy person will say, hey, if, if I'm comparison shopping and I'm buying, you know, there's two different bottles of ketchup right there and one of them is 20 cents more than the other, uh, but it's a different size and you're calculating and whatever, and which one do I get or whatever, the wealthy person will oftentimes just grab something and move on and you're like, well, that's not very efficient. I say, actually it is. It is because for the difference in price based on the value of their time and where their input goes, like a business owner, that's not working in making their business more profitable is essentially choosing to allocate their time to something else. And so that is an opportunity cost. Right. Because they're not developing the business. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. Look, when I spend time with my family, I am totally cool with that. And I am not logging hours like there's some kind of financial trade off. That's not how that works. I'll take okay? it one step further. When David takes a vacation, which you do usually a couple a year with your family. Right. I actually value when you take vacation because you get a chance to unplug, but yet you get a chance to kind of vi like visionary stuff, right? So it's like yeah, you, I mean, you, you get process to be creative and not be so bogged down in right. the moment to so moment. You start thinking about the business, the different things. And so when you come back, not only are you energized again because you've usually had a fun, relaxing vacation. But you have great ideas about where you think you want the company to go. And sometimes when you're working day to day and all of the the grunt work, you don't get that time to do the higher level thinking. Yeah. So I actually yeah. value when David's like, I'm going on vacation. I'm like, great, take a notepad, write down all your ideas because I want to hear them when you get back because they're usually good stuff. <laughs> sometimes and other times that's a really wacky thing. And maybe no. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a maybe because he's still the boss, but it's like a mm, We'll talk about that one later. Maybe we'll table that one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, we'll get to that at some point. I promise. Uh -huh. It's been six years now. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's on the list. Promise. <laughs> I swear it is. See, it's right here. It's still on the list. I just haven't really processed that list yet. Right. It's, 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 that's the... That's like the uh, unhappy island where it's like we sent it out there on that list, you know, the special list. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, but when wealthy people in general or people that are going to, you know, moving towards wealth, they're going to value their time in the equation. And, you know, business owners, this is a, a real fail of entrepreneurs early on is they will have an idea, they will price it and they will look at the marketplace and then they'll go out and try to execute and they will pay everybody else but themselves. Right. 
And that's a really good way to starve, right? True. You, your, your business needs to be capable of paying you. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest that if you went out and started a business and it was done with the intention of making money, and I say that because I know there's a handful of you out there listening that are like, I got a business and it generates great tax write-offs. Right. It's that's not the purpose. It's not no. trying to be profitable, but a business that's supposed to be your livelihood. If by the time you put all of your time, effort and energy into it, you are making below what you could make as a wage for somebody else. And you're taking on all that risk and there's no upside to it. Yeah. And all the, like the business is else. not going to break out and go anywhere. It's just going to be just enough to kind of keep you barely solvent. I'd say you got a raw deal. Yeah, because you're putting disproportionate time in. I, I know business owners, entrepreneurs that make below minimum wage by the time they put they value all of the time they put into. Well, the business. and they don't. What they do is they look at what they take home and they go, see, I get paid. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But, how but many hours like, did you work this week? Ninety. Mm. Yeah. If you put in, you know, 12 to 15 hour days and at the end of it, you you calculate the number of hours and your take home. You're like, yeah, that's a bad trade yeah and so you don't want to get caught in that kind of purgatory right and so uh, the 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 financial mindset is understanding you know where i apply myself there needs to be a, a pre, you know proportionate trade-off for the time and this is also why people talk about side hustles to get ahead right hey i have my main mainstay for employment that's where i get this kind of money and the other stuff i do is a second income from doing something else right i have a side hustle you do yeah, yeah. i mean i've i've talked about it i have a side hustle not not for financial reasons as yeah, much this as is it's, therapy i, I this tease is, all the time about your therapy right like, so i i work for my mom i work at create and sip and i teach art classes and i also help her run the business so not that i'm her business partner but i'm sometimes her sounding board and um and yeah so i jokingly say that if i weren't working for her and getting paid to do it i'd probably be in there twice a week anyway just because it does it it's relaxing to me i love being creative it feeds that need in me for my artistic side so but yeah, and it's. I feel like I get paid for a job. Well, both of them. I feel like I get paid to do jobs that I love, and yet they're completely different, opposite jobs. They are, they are. Although we get to do, we used to do more creative stuff. And I when I say to. used to, it's because a lot of what our firm really likes to do is. First of all, if you're a client at our firm, I want first thank you. If you're listening and you're a client, thank you because we exist because of you. Right. Right. Second, we like to. Like we like to get together and do things with our clients, so we usually would do events and gatherings and so forth because it's Which, it's a sort of part of the family atmosphere that we really desire. It's been so hard this year to not have those, and it is I, like the worst. it is. It's just you know I I miss those people. Like I I still want to just hug every client that comes in the door, and I realize you're not allowed to, but it's like I'm a hugger. I want to hug people. Yeah, and there's just something terribly challenging about the. You know, the, our, the local culture here, and this is, I think, pretty common in rural areas, is just there's a lot more self-sufficiency and independence. And so you get a, sort of a directive that says, you know, do these things for your health and you're out in the middle of nowhere. Like this still slays me to this day. Uh, over the summer, I went hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail. We're up in the middle of the mountains that are surrounded by nothing. And I would come across other hikers wearing masks in the middle of nowhere. And... You know, if you can, with a straight face, tell me that, you know what, that's making them safer uh, or making me safer. Because in the middle of socially distanced to infinity, 
right? Where maybe oh, mountain lions are afraid of masks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just I, I can't I don't get it right. And so at some point, uh, it it's become as much a cultural statement as, as it is about whether or not it's effective. And that's the part where you just you lose me. And and I've not you know I've been on the show. I'm not trying to talk anybody into making poor health decisions. That is not my intent. But somewhere we got lost in the dogma. And it became like a tribal thing. It's like, you know, team this, team that. And it just, I, I was just telling do a him palm. earlier that I feel like I'm on Survivor. And it's like, which team are you voting for? The red team or the blue team? And it's, there's these definite teams. And who's getting voted off the island? Right. And, well, and my joke was when one team says it's time to heal. And it's like, but everybody, you know, it's not like the other team caused the pain and it's time to heal. Right. I mean, this has all been. <laughs> there's, there's nothing quite so insulting as like slapping somebody and saying, we all need to get over this now. Like, uh, what? <laughs> so yeah. I'm still mad. I'm not done yelling. Like, I didn't. But but if I didn't slap, and I'm the one that's supposed to forgive, like no, stop. And and that's everybody's perspective. Whichever team you're on, you feel like the other team has punched you, and then they're saying you need to all get along now. It's like, well, yeah, you're pretty raw. Yeah, right. It's not. The, it's just not the same. So Ugh. anyway, moving on. Uh, well, so. so yeah, let's we'll we'll wrap up this one by simply saying I want you to value your own time and and this was back to my silly thing about the deck screws like saving them, uh, that's not even like they're not even safe right if no you've had like they're not that safe exposed, they're not like, efficient you would never do that so you need to recognize that certain things it's time to like you don't want to be a hoarder certain things will hold you back right now you don't want to give away your resources that's sort of silly too but. You being a hoarder for the sake of just, you know, keeping every paper you've ever had. It's like like somebody's going to somehow come behind you and they're going to read your life story through every receipt you've ever had in your life. Oh, please don't. Uh, no. If you've ever come behind somebody. Yeah. Well, look, if you look at the receipt <laughs> and you don't know what it's for and you can't connect it together, then there's a really good probability nobody else can either. Even the IRS audit's going to be like, well, we're just not going to give you credit for that because you don't know how to document it. So they're not looking to forensically figure it out for you. They're just going to say, too late, move on, and pay your taxes. Right. So that's the challenge here is uh, so keep keep balance. And for those of you that are really good about moving things through your life and not hoarding things, God bless you. I mean, that's great. Uh, for me, this is a skill. Like I still have genes from high school, and I'm like, why no, would you, you do that? No, you don't. Well, I have th they don't. All right. But the, uh, the analogy is funny, right? I actually do have a sweater from high school because it's so vintage that it's good for costume parties. Oh, but, stop. Um, you know, but that's the reason <laughs> it sticks around. Do you still fit around. it, or does it go on your wife? Well, yeah, because it was, it was way too big at the time. I was uh, swimming in it, and okay. now it like fits too well or, or too tight. So I'm like, huh. But For those Animal it. House days, is that yeah. what it is? Anyway, yeah, it's it's this great like Letterman kind of oh, V-neck thing that's like, wow, the '80s called. They want their <laughs> no kidding. They called. It's an '80s party. <laughs> oh, okay, horrible. And horrible, on that horrible. note, look, we're gonna take our last break. <sighs> we're gonna come back. We're gonna stomp on a few rumors before we send you packing and say, fine, 2020, peace out. We'll see you next year. But we got to take this last break first. So stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shook. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Well Show. So I have a little jukebox that, you know, randomly spins in my head, and I keep thinking right now, because you were talking rumors, the Adele song, Rumor Has It. 
Rumor oh, has it. Yeah, Sorry. Well. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, so no, I'm. I, yeah. Today we are. We're going to take this last little bit here and attacks head on a handful of rumors that are floating around out there. This is the what do you think section. All right. Um, Katie, what uh, are you, if we could think of something that our clients are most frequently asking right now, what is something that uh, you're hearing a lot? So I mentioned two things. One is that everybody thinks that automatically that uh, taxes are going to go up. So we're going to pay more in um, wage taxes. And then the other one is that the stock market's going to crash. Okay, so let's talk about the first one. Are taxes going up? I don't know. Have they written policy to raise taxes yet? Not yet. Okay. Are they going up? Maybe. Maybe. I haven't seen any tax policy yet. Right. I mean, if you if if Biden were to be true to his plan, which uh, I will chuckle at this one only because, and again, this isn't teams. This is just funny, which is, uh, you know, you've had 40 plus years in Washington. I don't know why you'd start following through now. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I mean, I think there's there's policies that you get elected on, and then there's real life, and uh, that's by and large what's going on here. Well, then so, understanding the presidential role too, right? Like people yeah, I mean, can the say whatever they want, set but the taxes Congress like, does, right? But saying like it has to go through Congress and it has to go through everything else in yeah, order so to get the to Biden the president. Tax plan doesn't matter, but you know, voters bite on lots of things because they don't understand. So one of the things that was interesting today, they were uh, I was sitting in a meeting um, with a client and another advisor in our office, and the question came up, you know, do you think taxes are going to go up? And I said, well, it's very interesting because the talk based on Biden, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, was that if taxes were to increase, it would be for the wealthy, right? That the wealthy would end up paying more taxes. Yeah, I always laugh at that because this is sort of like... Um, this is know, the, not the, my team. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the definition of wealthy, right? Well, it and was the higher tax brackets would go up, but that the lower tax brackets would stay the same. Well, yes. And that's likely to be the case. But guess what? Here's the dirty little secret. Whether po- tax policy changes or not, it's going higher. If if nothing happens, the current tax law sunsets because there weren't enough votes to make it permanent. So when it does, the highest tax bracket goes from 37% to 39% on the uh, the personal side, right? So, so for a, a family, a joint family, actually for anybody, because they're the same table, just different tiers. But thirty nine percent. So from thirty seven to thirty nine percent, and in theory, corporate tax rates. I think those were made permanent by the um, the last legislation. So there'd need to be a change in legislation to change corporate rates, and that's been what's discussed. Uh, we've had we've talked to Infinity on this one. I I feel like. That uh, corporations don't really pay taxes. The no, end user of the product through. pays for it, so it gets put into the price of the product, right. and and that's who who pays for it. And you know, when somebody's like, "Nope, they need to pay their fair share," I'm like, "Well, you know, it's just going to make everything more expensive, and you're going to pay for it one way or the other." Yeah, it's like you get what you asked for. Right. You just didn't I, understand how the process worked. I, w- I would suggest that you could almost have corporate prof- corporate tax at zero, because then the corporations would. There'd be very little. I mean, it would change how they spend, right? Because right now, corporate tax, you know, companies will do uh, capital expenditures so just to buy things to create write-offs, but those purchases then filter into other areas of the economy. So there's a stimulative effect there, right? Well, and I was going back to personal taxes too. You know, if 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 in a in an election year, if somebody came out, doesn't matter which team, and said, hey, by the way, I'm going to raise taxes for everyone, meaning even the lower income brackets, I'm not sure that that person would get elected, right? Because it's not a good narrative. Like one of the things that you've pointed out is there's a lot less, like quantity wise, of people in the very high tax brackets than there are people in the oh, lower yeah. tax I brackets. Mean, come on, the so top when you talk 5%. about voting population. Yeah, I mean, 
the I think the top ten percent of taxpayers is paying 50% of the total tax or something exotic like that. Right. But again, it's like 10%, right? And so, I mean, when you're comparing the pools of people that are voting for you, it's like that pool can get sacrificed because it's not very big. Well, because they can't defend themselves, right? Right. Like they can't against the big pool. um, The the ultra wealthy get loopholes because they fund elections. The high income earners don't get protected because they don't fund elections, but they don't have enough of them to defend themselves in the vote, right? So it's popular to say tax the rich. And again, these are this is just strategy, right? This is so. Th- this is, by the way, an appropriate segue into the other rumor. Hey, the, you know, we're printing money, aren't we? Just going to collapse the U.S. dollar in our economy, and we're going to all be speaking Chinese, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But again, not really not the way it plays out. Yeah, uh, it's just monetizing debt. Just says, hey, you know, we borrowed money, and we're going to pay it back with cheaper money. So the bar, the the lender gets hosed, and in treasuries, who's the lender? Right? It's us. It's the us, people yeah. that buy the treasury bonds. So uh, right now it's the Federal Reserve. They're buying the Treasury bonds. But the Federal Reserve's like, well, we're printing the money that you're hosing us with. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, and, and so that's what quantitative easing does. It's just currency manipulation. Well, and it's uh, lowering. Yeah, lowering yeah, the value of a dollar. And the problem is when everybody's doing it, when every country in the world is devaluing their currency systematically, then we're kind of all the fiat currencies are sort of playing the same game of musical chairs. Right. So it's not like one person's getting the short stick. Everybody's getting the short stick. Yeah, everybody. It's, it's just, yeah, right now it's just is <laughs> so yeah. uh so anyway i don't think that it's the end of the world there are more rumors out there by the way things like hey, you know our retirement plan is going to get confiscated i don't have time to unpack why i think that's terribly unlikely i will simply say i think that the probability of that is super low so uh but there's the music so we're out of time uh so look i, I guess the best i could say is uh, if you want more give us a call 541-375-0898 or email info at littlejohnfs.com. Otherwise, we're out of time, so I will say this. Hey, gang, we will see you next year. Happy New Year. Right, so 2020, sayonara. 2021, good times. Until uh, next time, Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. See ya. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.